get it. You're probably still full of turkey and stuffing and a family-filled four-day weekend, and today is not the day to tell you to get your head back in the transfer pricing game. Well, I'm very sorry, sir or madam or gentlefolk. That's just too bad because you tuned into a little podcast called The Fiona Show, Hot Off the Press, where we live for no greater purpose than to bring you the latest transfer pricing headlines in one easy-to-follow and easy-to-swallow update short enough for any commute. I'm your host, Matthew DeMello, here to tell you to open wide. Here comes the transfer pricing medicine to make sure that sugary cranberry sauce stays down. Hey, remember when Ireland was every corporation's favorite tax jurisdiction to set up headquarters in Western Europe? Good times, am I right, multinational tax executives? Sigh. Well, given the latest report on corporate tax revenues from the country's Department of Finance, those days are gone for good. Ireland made 10.4 billion euros in corporate tax revenues last year. That's a 20% increase since 2014. And perhaps more importantly, an all-time high of a 19% exchequer tax take from corporations last year year. Thank multinationals in the pharma, tech, and finance sectors for that. The extra tax revenue might seem like the perfect excuse to raise a pint to flush times, but don't. While the increase has helped ease some of Ireland's budgetary woes, Minister of Finance Pashal Donahoe cautioned about counting these chickens just yet. Relying on windfall corporate tax revenues with this much global economic uncertainty? No thank you. For now, the report is a reminder of increased corporate profitability. Congratulations. And and if, if that continues, so will the increased tax receipts. A concern for multinationals doing business in Ireland, no doubt, but you can't exactly blame tax authorities either. I mean, would you say no to 10.4 billion euros? And turning to our ongoing coverage of global digital service tax drama, the big headline this past week is that, how does one say this politely, no one knows what to make of the OECD's Pillar 1 reforms. Let's take it from the top. You may remember last week we mentioned routine and residual profits in our rundown discussing India's latest revolt against the current multilateral plan. Routine profit refers to the heaping fortunes in taxable revenues that will be reaped by the home countries of tech companies if the OECD's current multilateral plan is implemented. As compared to the residual profit peanuts that will be collected by the countries whose markets give those tech companies such legendary margins. Seems clear enough, right? Well, not according to Will Morris, Deputy Global Tax Policy Leader at PwC and Tax Committee Chair for Business at the OECD, who said use of those terms risk, quote, confusing the conversation because people revert to what those terms have meant rather than what they will mean in the future. Well, language is fluid, Will. Don't like it? Take it up with Noam Chomsky. And for the millennials out there, he's the father of modern linguistics. And as far as definitions go, here's another one to worry about. Consumer-facing business. What the is that only business to consumer businesses depending on how the oecd defines it that could pose the threat of creating drastic inequities between b2b's b2c's and especially businesses that serve and face both businesses and consumers amidst cries for clarity even netflix yes netflix may be one of the most recognizable b2c's on the planet doesn't think the multilateral solution should lean one way or the other through press statements global tax policy director for the streaming internet tv juggernaut Gianmarco Catani encouraged the OECD to continue avoiding carve-outs but really hone in on a transactional tax approach to digital products and services. 
in speaking of the biggest names in the digital economy, say, have you been watching this whole fiasco of countries unilaterally deciding they can just swoop in and get their cut of the digital services tax pie without global consensus and thought to yourself, I wonder what Jeff Bezos thinks of all of this? Well, now we have some idea, or at least we have an idea of what Amazon's VP of Global Tax thinks, thanks to a November 11th statement signed by said VP, Kurt Lamp. We all know what you're wondering. How does this make it so Amazon pays even less in taxes than they do now? Well, stop being so cynical. Kurt Lamp just wants to see the pie be cut in more equal pieces between home countries for multinationals and where they're getting their markets from. But on a scale of the original home-leaning OECD plan to the market-side plan currently proposed by India, Amazon finds a place one can charitably call diplomatic to the point where it seems a little pre-designed to stay, if not actually get, on everyone's good side. Still, it amounts to a little bit more than a water's wet manifesto, in that Amazon is at least distancing itself from the OECD and the primary benefactors of the home-leaning approach, which is to say the United States. This all while giving side-eye to these unilateral taxes going after Amazon for being so high and mighty. Is that enough for the OECD to reconsider its approach? We'll find out after OECD members and officials report back from meeting in Paris over the Thanksgiving weekend. Wonder if they serve canned cranberry sauce there too. Sounds delicious. On that note, tune in next week when we can give you that full recap by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. And while you're there, don't forget to check out our long-form sister podcast, The Fiona Show, where we take apart transfer pricing concepts, talk to experts, and deep dive into the very headlines you hear on this program. This show is edited, engineered, hosted, and written by yours truly, Matthew DeMello. Many thanks to our executive producer, Marilyn Mitchumstrom, for all of her support. Catch you next week, everyone.